0: And we'll be using our Bibles a little bit today, quite a bit today. And uh, if you can, try to keep up. If not, I understand. It may be difficult to try to find all the passages, but uh, we'll try to, uh, to let you uh, try to catch up here. We're going to have special music. We'll be dismissing all the kids after the special music. But let's go ahead and read uh, the Word of God here, Revelation 13 and verse number 15. We'll start there. Revelation 13:15. verse 15 and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and calls that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed and he causeth all both small and great rich and poor free and bond to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is six hundred score and six. Six, six, six. I'm going to preach to you on the subject, warning signs, warning signs. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together into one place. Thank you for church. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. I pray that you would give us understanding today. I pray that if there's one that does not know where they're going to go, uh, if they were to die, that they would know what it is to have hope in Christ. I pray that you would bless the reading of your word. It is the word of the Lord. I pray that you would help those that are in Christ to be surrendered, Uh, Lord, to be looking, be witnessing. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to embrace what you would have us to embrace. I pray as we look at the warning sign, the Bible gives plenty of warning signs and give us, Lord, understanding hearts. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do, all that you want to do today in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray, amen. So, I took him to 1 Corinthians, 1 uh, Chronicles chapter 12. Uh, King David in the Old Testament, he was bringing to himself the kingdom. And in doing so, there was people that were gathering to him, and a group called the uh, a family called Issachar. Th- those of Issachar is a tribe uh, of Israel. There was coming to uh, the the Isra- uh, to, D- to David, and here's what it said in verse 32 of First Corinthians, uh, First Chronicles 12. And he says of the children of Issachar, here's what it says about them. Listen, it's very carefully, which were men that had understanding of the times. To know what Israel ought to do. A very interesting statement about the the tribe of Ishakar. They knew some things that perhaps others did not know. They had understanding specifically of the times that they were living. Yet you understand today that we're living in a very interesting time. Okay. we're living in what we call the Bible calls the end time or the end days. Things are finishing up. Human history is coming to a close. Another kingdom is coming. But the children of Issachar had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Very interesting phrase. Uh, In the New Testament, you'll find that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, they came to the Lord Jesus Christ. They were tempting to desire him that he would show them a sign from heaven. They want to know, hey, give us some sign. And here's what he answered them with this statement. He said this. He answered and said unto them, when it is evening, ye say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. And here's what he's made the statement. Oh, ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you can, but but can ye not discern the signs of the times? So he's saying to the Sadducees and the Pharisees that were here listening to him, he says, you, you, you can predict the weather. You know what the weather is looking like, but you don't know the signs of the time. Now can I just simply say this ladies and gentlemen that God has given us signs there are there are biblical signs that you're able to look at and see and I would like to uh, introduce to you these uh, at least one warning sign. If you put that on the overhead, guys, and, uh, and, uh, and look at the, fr- this, this, uh, keep this thought in mind of warning signs, the mark of the beast. Now, we, we read some pretty interesting stuff in Revelation a, a few minutes ago, but signs are all through the Bible. In fact, the book of Genesis 1 tells us in the beginning when God created everything, the heaven and the earth, when he created He's the skies. He've created the stars. He said, this is going to be for a specific purpose. Uh, Genesis 1 verse 14 says that, uh, the, the lights of the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And so when God created the heaven, the earth, the light, the, 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 the stars and the moon, he says, they're going to be for a specific purpose. I'm going to let you have these things. Things to give you signs, signs in the sky. And it's interesting when you look at this, the, the Bible tells about the, the, in the end days will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. How many understand this perplexity, confusion? I mean, we are in confusing times. It is a strange time to be alive, and it's it's a a perplexing time. Well, the end days are characterized by distress of nations, perplexity, okay? That is a sign. That is something that God is giving you as a sign. I I told my wife uh, last week, I said, Lynn, I said, I want to take the boat up to Lake Erie. Now, I got a little 16-foot aluminum boat. And she says, are you going to take the boys? I said, I would like to take the boys, my 5-year-old and my 10-year-old. Can I take them? She says, no. Um, I said, well, I'm going to take them. And she says, I don't like this. I said, I know you don't, but it'll be fine. I said, what can go wrong? <laughs> so, so we left port. Boys are all in there and they got their life jackets on. And we were going with Chris Sorensen. Chris Sorensen has a boat. He calls it Old Betsy, and it fits an old Betsy description. Hand painted, camouflage, old paint job, small little 16-footer, a small little beam. And I asked Scott Free the night before, you want to go fishing? He said, Sure. I said you'll be on Chris's boat. He had no idea what he was going to get into. The wind picked up right when we were leaving the the, the the inlet, and we were looking and staring out at the abyss. Okay, with three and four foot waves. I stop at the inlet before I went out. I turn around and Scott Freed is hanging on with his knuckles white on the on the bow of the boat. Chris Sorensen has one of those those redneck hats on. The wind's blowing his hat back with his got a goatee on and he's back there with the t- well, no on the on the steering wheel and I'm like, "Do you guys want to go?" And I just saw both hands go up and then back down. We started heading out and I told Rob, as we look back and the waves, I mean, we were cutting into this waves and their boat is disappearing and coming back up. And every time I come back up, Scott's Freed's face is turning paler and paler and his white knuckles and he's trying to navigate. And we're just kind of plowing through this thing. I'm like, my wife would kill me right now. <laughs> we get out to the inlet for the uh, for the water treatment plant for Toledo, about a mile, two miles out. And I didn't even see it, but there was a sign that says, do not enter or danger. I went past that sign. I look back at the reality TV show behind me, <laughs> and uh, and they make a right. And I'm like, what's going on? Rob says, we're in bad water. We got to get out of here. It was a warning sign. Signs are important, aren't they? Signs are there for us to stop signs are there for us to be warned signs are there for us to have caution there's something coming up in fact in the 1828 definition of the dictionary it says it's a sum it's a visible transaction it's an event or an appearance intended as proof of something that something else hence proof evidence by sight in other words when you see a sign a biblical sign it's giving you warning of what is coming is that making sense to you every track in with me today? So, when the Bible shows you things, it is for the purpose of warning, biblical warning. And God, by the way, gives warning signs. I've said this through the years. When you look at the Bible, when God, whether He is going to judge a nation, an individual, or a city, He always gave warning. He said, I'm going to judge, I'm going to bring judgment, get right, repent. But there was always warning given to the cities, individuals, or countries before he brought judgment. In fact, in the Old Testament, Jeremiah was given uh, 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 insight or prophecy from God to to tell Israel, the southern kingdom, hey, repent, uh, we're going to be destroyed. Babylon is going to destroy us. Repent, turn to God. And they did not. Elijah, the prophet, was the prophet for the northern kingdom. And he told Ahab, get right, uh, uh, we're going to be judged. And they did not listen. Ezekiel and Amos and Joel and Jonah, you'll find all through Judgment before it came, there was warning. There was clear indication that God was going to do something. Last week, we discussed the big picture concept of the 70th week of Daniel. It's a powerful, powerful study. I don't have time to unpack all of it right now. But if you have your Bibles, quickly go back to Genesis or actually Daniel chapter 9. Daniel 9 again. We are dealing with a prophecy, something that was given to Daniel 3,500 years ago. Watch this, 3,500 years ago about what is going to come, and the Bible says, in the last days, or the time of the end. So Daniel, as we discussed last week, he was told... Shut up the book of prophecy, for it is not for you, Daniel. It is a time of the end. It's something that's coming later. So can you imagine Daniel? Daniel's here in Babylon getting this revelation from God that something's going to happen. And he has to shut this book. Seal it. It's not for me. It's for another people down the road, down in time. So when he gets this prophecy right here, this is the 70-week prophecy of Daniel. But it's a prophecy of weeks that are seven-year weeks. In other words, when you go down and buy a dozen eggs, you're getting 12 eggs, but it's one dozen, right? In this prophecy, you're dealing with a week of seven years. So seven years... From the time, a very specific time, a decree to rebuild Jerusalem that was given in 444 B.C. from the king Ataxerxes, the Medes and the Persians. Say, hey, go back and rebuild the the, the walls of Jerusalem. So they did. That is a date that is set. That is a date that was uh, the beginning of a clock. The clock started 483 years later. Here comes the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And he comes on the scene, and he's rejected. Watch this. He is crucified, Jesus Christ. That was a 483-year-old prophecy. It stopped. Now, watch this. But there's 70 weeks. If you look in Daniel 9, verse 24, you all there? The Bible says 70 weeks are determined. Now, he's speaking to Daniel here. Daniel is a Jewish man. Upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make a reconciliation for iniquity and to bring an everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. There's six things that are going to happen in this 70 week or this 490 year period of time. Verse number 35 says, now therefore understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be Seven weeks, three score and two weeks, and the street shall be built again in the wall, even in troublous times. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. The people of the prince shall come and destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and the end of, uh, uh and end to the end uh, 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 of the war, desolations are what? Determined. Now, We have a problem. We have 70 weeks determined, but only 69 weeks are fulfilled. We're missing one week, one seven-year period of time. Ladies ladies and gentlemen, this is is a great prophecy. You want to study this. We're, We're in, if you would, what we call a pause. In other words, God stopped the clock, and he's waiting. And we're in, if you would, the time of the Gentiles. There's no Jewish people in here. We're Gentiles. And we're waiting, and he's waiting, and a clock is going to start, which is going to start a seven-year period of time, which will be the tribulation period or the seventieth week of Daniel. Are you f- tracking me so far? But this is a time that God is going to determine. It is set. It's going to happen. Watch this. When God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. It is coming together. The Bible says He cannot lie. He cannot lie. So the key point as this, you're looking at this, there is a, there is a prophecy that has a seven year period of time that is yet to happen. It has not happened yet, but look what happens when it, when it starts. Verse number 26. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut. Verse 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause a sacrifice and oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation that that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. What does that mean? In other words, this prince, this person is going to confirm a covenant with many, with Israel for one week. We're talking about a peace treaty, a treaty that will, if you would, bring the whole nation under peace. The Muslims will be at peace with the Jewish people. The Gentiles will be at peace with the Jewish people. Everything will be back. Well, who's going to do this? Well, this prince, this person, this prophecy that's coming, this, this man of sin that's going to be able to put it all together. And he's going to create a peace treaty that no one could have imagined that could be done. They're talking about it. They've been talking about it for years. But it'll be done for one seven-year period of time. And this is not just an ordinary prince, it's not just an ordinary person. This is the man of sin. This is the man that God says is going to be the Antichrist. I was with the I was in Jerusalem a couple of years ago, and oh, about seven or eight years ago, and we were just sitting there talking, and a rabbi comes up to me. He says, you, "You're from uh, America." I said, "Yes, I'm from America." Uh, you, you believe in Christ? I said, "We believe in Christ." He says, "Yes, good." He says, "You're Messiah." I said, "Yeah, yes, you're Messiah." He said, "My Messiah, our Messiah, the one who's going to redeem us, Messiah." I said, "Yes." When He comes, He'll bring peace. I said, "Wow." He said, "Yes, we're going to have peace." He, and he, and he said, "He said when He this rabbi said when He walks to the podium, the whole world will know He is Messiah and He will bring peace." I said. It sounds like that the Messiah that you're looking for is what the Bible describes as anti Christ. He looked at me and said, Who is this anti Christ? I said, I took him to Daniel, the book of Daniel. You see, you believe in the Old Testament. I so I do do. So we took him to Daniel chapter nine. I explained to him about this prince that is going to come. Then I said, do you mind if I take you to the New Testament? He says, Sure. I want to hear this Antichrist. I took him to the New Testament and I explained to him about this man of sin, this son of perdition, this, uh, this satanic man that is going to confirm a covenant. He is going to be revealed and he'll do it for seven years, a peace treaty. But this is going to be a man of sin. He said, i never heard of this before. This is very interesting to me. It is interesting because it's in the Bible. But there are very interesting references to three different time periods inside the seven years. Listen to this just quickly. First three and a half years. It is referenced as 1260 days. It is referenced as 42 months. It is referenced as a time Times and a half of time. Time one. Times two. Okay? Three, right? And a half of time. Three and a half. So three and a half years. There's a reference to the middle of the tribulation period, or the seven years. And there's a reference to the last three and a half years. Making seven years. It's referenced five times in the Bible. I don't have time to unpack all of that, but it's in the Bible. It's in the book of Revelation. It's in the book of Daniel. It's in the book of Second Thessalonians. And it is clear. There is going to be a human that is going to be satanically inspired that is going to bring a peace treaty over the whole world. Someone that is going to be able to gather all nations together and let Israel begin sacrificing again. And there will be peace for three and a half years. But the Bible says that in the midst of the week, he will cause the oblation to cease, the sacrifice, no more sacrifices. And the Bible tells us, gives us more insight as to what he does in the middle of that tribulation period when he walks into the temple and he sets himself up as God. and He says, you will worship me. That is the man of sin. That is coming. So when we're looking at this, this antichrist, this coming of a false messiah will be accepted by the world. In fact, look in Daniel 8, if you would. Daniel chapter 8. How many are doing okay? All right. I just preached this whole message a few minutes ago, all right? <laughs> we're slowing it down though, okay? Look, if you would, in verse 23. Verse 23, Daniel 8. Watch the notes here. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, what does that mean? There's going to be an increase in sin. There's going to be an increase in sodomy. There's going to be an increase in iniquity. It says, it comes to full. A king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. What does that mean? This king or this prince is going to stand up. He's going to be able to know things that other people don't know. He'll understand the Bible references dark sentences. So people will come and hear him because when he speaks, it's like, wow, this guy knows things that no one else knows. Understands dark. Se- this is talking about the Antichrist, verse 24. And his power shall be mighty and not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper and shall practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. So he's going to make war with the people of God. But look at verse 25. And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. So this guy is going to, he's an economist. He is going to put a world economy together. He is going to put economic prosperity on every continent. He's going to cause craft to prosper. And he shall magnify himself in his heart and by peace shall destroy many. And now watch this. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes. If you have a King James Bible, you see that capital P there. That's the the Christ. But he shall be broken without end or hand. He's going to be an orator. He's going to destroy wonderfully. The Bible talks about him being the mystery of iniquity. He's going to be the wicked one. He's going to be revealed. He's going to be inspired by Satan himself. Why am I saying all this? Ladies and gentlemen, please listen. God has given us from the Bible insight from the beginning to the end. And in the end, we find here in this very last book, a mark that's coming. Can I say it this way? A sign. Something's coming. The world is going to know that there is a man of sin that's going to come. And his name is is going to be the son of perdition. I don't know what his human name is, but he's going to be empowered by Satan, empowered by the devil, and he will manipulate people. Now look back in our text, Revelation 13. Real quick, Revelation chapter 13. How many are doing all right? All right. Revelation chapter 13, and we'll look in verse number 15 together again. Speaking about this man of sin, this antichrist, this world leader, this, this, this man that's going to control all human government. Okay? All, all, all tracking, if you would. He's going to have all control of that. What is he going to do? And how does this fit into where we're living today? Look in verse 15. And he, this is the Antichrist, had power to give life unto the image of the beast. That the image of the beast should both speak and to cause as many that would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So. When the 70th week of Daniel begins, it's going to be starting peaceful, but it becomes bloody when the Antichrist says, no more sacrifices in Israel. You will now worship me. Now watch this. He then will set up, which we believe the Antichrist will already have this technology and cause this to be put in place at the beginning of the tribulation period. But watch what happens. He is going to kill anyone that does not worship him, okay? And he, this is the Antichrist, verse 16, calls it all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond. Now look at the phrase to receive a mark in their right hand, okay? Or in their forehead. Note, in the King James Bible, it does not say on, it does say in. So whatever mark it is, the Bible says it is going to be in you either in your right hand or in your forehead. Now, what's the purpose of the mark according to the verse right here, verse 17, that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, what is that? Verse 18, here is wisdom. You better listen. He says, here is wisdom. let him that hath understanding. Remember, the children of Issachar unto David, they had understanding of the times. They had understanding hearts to know what Israel ought to do. If you have understanding, he says, count the number of the beast. It is the number of a man. And his number is six hundred, three score and six. Three score, three twenties. Six, six, six. That number. The Antichrist then is going to bring in a system. Can I say it this way? A universal international mark that will be required to sell and to buy. You cannot go down to the store without this, in this time period, in this 70th week, in this seven-year period of time that has not happened yet. But you cannot go down to the store and buy and sell without this mark. It'll be in your right hand or in your forehead. Now, look at this. Interestingly, this is going to be worldwide, universal. Everyone's going to have to do it. No exceptions. Gary Kramer just called me. He's being quarantined right now. He just got back from Arizona. And if you're watching, Gary, thank you for the information. Gary just came back from Arizona. And I just found out today that this is happening already in Findlay. Out in Arizona, you cannot use cash in Arizona. You cannot use, you can't pull a dollar bill out. It's cashless right now in Arizona. And in some places in Finley, you can't use cash. We've talked about this for years. It's going to a cashless society where you're not able to have the trading ability of cash. It's going to have to be through some type of credit card or what we believe is going to come in some type of cryptocurrency. So watch this, this whole movement here, coronavirus and COVID-19 is not an accident, This is a precursor to a beginning called the tribulation period. It's a warning sign. It's a warning sign of what is to come. Now look what the verse states. Count this number, verse 18. Count the number of the beast. It is wise to know this. It is wise to know this. Because no man might, verse 17, by herself save he that had The mark. Now, interesting thing, the rise of this mark, we've been following this for years. You know this, but let me just kind of remind you the first six numbers in the Roman numerical counting uh, uh, procedure is 1, 5, 10, 50. 100 and 500, six letters. I'm counting from left to right. And we use them in alliteration, one, two, three, four, five. But this is basically how to count numerically in the Roman numerical number. But it's interesting as you add these up, one, five, six, right? Add 10, 16, keep going, 50, 100, then D being 500. Add all those numbers up. I'm not making this up. Add them up. That number comes up to 666. Roman numerical counting. The oldest way that humans have been counting since Roman time that we're counting even today. That number right there is 666. This is outside of Geneva, Switzerland. This is the goddess Shiva. Shiva is the god of, uh, uh, of of the of the deep. There's a belief there that a ba- a, a bad will come out of this area right here, Geneva, Switzerland, 1954. The scientists in the world community built a system under the ground, 300 feet, to collide particles together at the speed of light. And what they're attempting to do in this area right here is try to find the God particle. Where is God? Okay. They're trying to find out where God is. They cannot understand this. This is real stuff. Billion dollars. Billions of dollars. Watch this. Shiva is the goddess in front of this. There's a circle around her. It's the portal to the other world that they think that they're going to find. But when you get on the website of CERN, C-E-R-N, CERN stands, it's it's an acronym for basically a a nuclear understanding. But their logo has three sixes. wrapped around the word cern 666 six, six. i could go on and on for an hour or so on just the 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 chances of this just being an accident okay we've known this for years in our in our in our codes and how we buy and sell for the last 30, 30 40 years we've used the barcode barcode the 6 typically is two lines you get three lines one on the left one in the middle one on the right they all symbolize 666 six, six. we've been using this for years beeping it across i'm just saying this because it's already been here y'all with me so far the mark of the beast the, the technology the system is already here that's why i'm saying that this is nothing new this has all been if you would baked into our culture but some things have changed in the last couple of really last couple of weeks that i think you should know Great guy. Okay, this guy, Bill, he really has your best interests in mind. He wants to make sure you're okay. He's integrated and actually applied for a patent to, and I've read this, I had to check this and source it to make sure that it is indeed true. But I'm going to read for you what he has applied to the U.S. patent for. It is a framework for a global financial system for buying and selling. Here's what the patent states. Quote, Cryptocurrency system It is a Microsoft published a patent for a cryptocurrency system using, listen to this, body activity data. So in other words, in other words, we're able to attach something to your body and then assign that that body a cryptocurrency. That's the patent that he's looking to do. And it is interesting that the patent number, I looked it up. This is true. This is the patent number for this technology. Look at 060606. Now, pastor, that's just coincidence. What are the chances? (laughs) What are the chances of any patent having those three prominent sixes, just just that alone. That's slim. But what are the chances of a patent with not only these prominent sixes having to do with buying and selling? That's even a slimmer chance. And what are the chances that the patent being released right when the coronavirus is taking off and a strong push right now to a cashless society? Where this can have contact tracing apps and put together a way to track, listen to this, everyone that has this technology in them. What are the chances that this would be done by a man who has the technology and also is a primary financial contributor to an organization called the World Health Organization? That's their symbol kind of looks like that. Are you all here? That's the serpent in the garden of Genesis chapter 3. Are you all here? World Health Organization? Oh, that's just a coincidence. It may be. Really slim chance, though. What are the chances this prominent 666, this patent number, this man that has... And listen, there's these coincidences go on and on and on. You cannot make it up back on may first i didn 't even see this until later back on May first, there was a proposition a law that was it was it hit the floor of the of the house on May first. And here's what the proposition is, the law. It is proposed a new law to force everyone, the authorities, to deem necessary to be tested for coronavirus. I'm going to read the actual HR, uh, for you. Here's what it says. It authorizes Secretary of Health and Human Services toward grants to, to eligible entities to conduct diagnostic testing for COVID-19. To, re, to and related activities such as contact tracing through mobile health units and as necessary at individuals' residences and for other purposes. This is the bill. The bill number yep. HR 666. Well, that's 46 is not 3. Come on, folks, really? That's the bill. What's chances? Can I? I'm just trying to say, listen, folks, we have. Warning signs. We're coming to the end. Warning signs. Things are coming to a close. This technology and what's going on right now is pushing. That's the actual HR. If you want to read it, you can look it up. I actually looked at the government website to actually make sure I'm not saying some conspiracy junk. It's actually a bill. I did not find this out till this week. The World Economic Forum, I went on their website and I began to look at everything that they've published. And there's a lot. There's a lot. There's an incredible amount of information on what they're trying to do. Now, anyone here this morning, if you've got any kind of spirituality, you understand we could be out of here by the end of the week in heaven. Okay? This is what, listen, this is what the Bible teaches. There is a calling away, a rapture. Okay? We are going to be taken out of the world. Amen. Praise God for that. Second Thessalonians talks about it. First Corinthians chapter 15 talks about it. It's all through the Bible. It's called the resurrection. And we're going to be leaving this world. And then the man of sin will be revealed. And the seven year period of time called the tribulation period starts where two thirds of the world's population is killed. It's a horrible time to live. But we're seeing the technology coming together. I listened to these World leaders, I listened to the doctors, the head of the IMF, International Monetary Fund, and I could hear and read through the lines that every one of them said, This is urgent. We must do this. And here's what they're pushing for a global, their words, global reset. A global reset. And this is not just made up. I thought maybe, uh, no, this is a global reset. And in this global reset, they want to reset the currencies of the world. They want to have the new green deal. Romans chapter 1, where they worship the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever, amen. They want to worship the earth. And this whole idea would be to bring the entire world under one economy. What you're seeing with Black Lives Matter, which, by the way, Black Lives Matter, but all lives matter, okay, but the phrase Black Lives Matter and the movement behind Black Lives Matter, it, the ideology behind Black Lives Matter, doesn't really care about blacks. It's, it's an ideology. It's neo-Marxism. Yeah, I, had to, I had to actually listen to lectures this week on what, understanding Marxism and read Karl Marx. Marxism is behind communism and socialism. It is a, it is an ideology. And he discovered that feudalism in the, in the 1500s, the dark ages, the property was owned by the Kings that was going to transition. And he says that transition over to capitalism through conflict and through cataclysmic events and through blood. But he said, Marx, Karl Marx says there's going to be a transition from uh, capitalism to communism Through conflict, through blood, this transaction is going to be very difficult. Interesting, isn't it? I think he's right. There is going to be a transition from what we have today. Are you all here today? We have today to what is coming tomorrow or this near future. And what you're about to hear is just a few minutes of their words about what they want to do. This is a global effort to reset everything that you have. Teenagers, man, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say, man. It's just the Lord's coming back. It's actually good. Well, Why don't they get married first? Yeah, you'll, you'll see. All right. And listen to this. Listen to this. Their words. This is just Now speech. is the historical moments a time, not only to fight severe virus, but to shape the system. We have a unique but rapidly shrinking window of opportunity to learn lessons and reset ourselves on a more sustainable path. It is an opportunity we have never had before and may never have again. So we must use all the levers we have at our disposal, knowing that each and every one of us has a vital role to play. Now is the time to think what history would say about this crisis. And now is the time for all of us to define our own role. What is it that would make it so that history would look at this crisis as the great opportunity for reset? The great reset is a welcome recognition that this human tragedy must be a wake-up call. It is imperative that we reimagine, rebuild, redesign, reinvigorate and rebalance our world. Rebalancing investment, harnessing science and technology and advancing the transition to net zero emissions, all elements of the Great Reset are fundamental to building the future we need. The world's problems fit on three sides of a triangle. It's one versus many, man versus nature. And the unfortunate foundation is long term versus short term. We had already income inequality that was fueling income race gender inequality we have a climate emergency which we can't walk away from there's no doubt that the very survival of the human race requires us to act any recovery stimulus should have green conditions attached to it energy prices should reflect real costs you need private sector capital private sector ingenuity private sector technology and private sector capabilities to come to the party. You need enormous trust between the private sector and the public sector for this to actually work. We have to change our economy dramatically in the next 20 or 30 years, and the next 10 years is absolutely decisive. The recovery has to be greener than any of the previous recoveries. And in order to do that, we need to ensure that the stimulus package, including fiscal and monetary, are much greener. Uh, than they were before. So we cannot waste uh, this opportunity uh, to ensure that uh, the uh, very precious money that's raised from the next generation is spent on green and low carbon. We will now start a quite high number of task forces to look at all the different issues and we will present all those ideas to the people assembled in Davos. But at the same time, We will make Davos very different, very open, to ensure that we do not fall uh, fall back to old recipes, but that we really look at forward-oriented solutions. Young entrepreneurs, especially from developing countries that are there and can see the right problem, can really step up and create solutions. Finding profitable solutions to problems of the people and the planet, and we're starting to see firms... Move to that, and we're seeing firms that behave responsibly in that way, actually doing better on conventional measures of profitability and doing better in this particular period. We've also seen social entrepreneurs step in in incredible ways. Not only has it exposed the precarious reality, but then it has also exposed the opportunity to recenter the reset around the most vulnerable and those on the edge where um, it only takes something like a pandemic or um, difficult circumstances to slide into poverty. And then we need to couple that with new initiatives to equip more people with the digital skills they'll need, not just to have a tech job, but a job that is increasingly tech-enabled in almost every part of the economy. If we can empower consumers with all of this, I think we unleash this next generation to have a much broader impact more quickly. We can never again allow our health, education, care systems to be underfunded. We need our imagination here. Hospital is being redefined each and every day right now. So the next time someone tells us uh, that tackling climate change is either too costly or too difficult. I think we need to remind them and remind ourselves of what just is happening right now. We not only have to demand change, but also create change. We have to live up to the expectations which we have created, and we will do so. Uh, Klaus Schwab, he just... <laughs> he looks like he needs to be in a haunted house somewhere. Welcome. <laughs> it's scary. Scary. They'll track, trace, name, and require a system whereby you can buy and sell under the reset. So, what, do, Pastor? Okay, what does this mean to me? Well, I want you to be confident that the Bible is absolutely true. <sighs> These are 3,500-year-old prophecies that we are seeing come to pass right before our eyes. We're hearing and we're seeing things that the entire 2,000 years of church history has not been able to see. Daniel says that they'll be able to travel to and fro. Knowledge shall be increased. We are there. We are there. What do you do? Two points. That's just introduction. And I'm finished. With two points, I'll be out of here in just... Number one, there's a warning sign to the saved, a warning sign. to If you're saved today, you're, bought by, you're redeemed, as we heard in the song, redeemed by the blood of the lamb. You're redeemed by Jesus Christ. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven, not by your good works, not by going to church, not by being a Baptist or a Catholic or a Presbyterian or any other religion in the world. It's only through Christ. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. And the life: no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now Jesus said that. There's no other way to heaven but Jesus Christ. So what does that mean to those that are in Christ? Here's the warning sign. Number one: surrender to Christ. I'm talking about saved people. If you're saved, surrender. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2, verse number 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Here's what it says teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. How should I react to all this? Get right with God. <laughs> Be right with God. Deny ungodliness, okay, in your own life. Deny worldly life life in your own life. Live soberly, righteously. Here's what the Bible says. In this present world. There's a world to come, but you're in this world. If you're saved, you better be living right. Get right with God. Amen. Repent. Stop playing church. Stop playing in your Bible. Stop just tantalizing with God. Stop playing tag with God. Get right with God and be right with God. Listen, we could be out of here this week. We could be out of here this month. This could be the last month that you're living in this world and you better not only know you're saved, but you ought to be serving God and loving him and surrender to his call in your life. That should be a standard. Surrender to Christ. Number two, What should we do because of these warning signs? Witness for Christ. Witness. Tell people about Jesus. The Bible says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. You ought to be witnessing. You ought to be sharing Jesus, telling people, Hey, here's how you can go to heaven. Here's how you can be saved. Number three, what do I do? What do I do? You be looking for Christ. Look for him. The Bible says, looking for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. My mom used to tell me when I was a kid, keep your eye on the eastern sky. (laughs) Keep your eye on the eastern sky. The Lord's coming back. He's going to walk through the eastern gate in Jerusalem one day. He's going to walk in there as Messiah, and he's going to set up his kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, we are at the end. And we don't know when this is going to happen. We see the technology that the man of sin that we talked about earlier, the the Antichrist will come on the scene and he'll confirm that covenant. He'll have the entire world under his control. We could be months from there, but I, we're going to be out of here as believers. Are you living for God? Are you looking for Jesus Christ, his return? Because that's a blessed hope. I woke up this morning i got to say, that fishing trip helped me, man. Watching Scott Fried holding on to the front of that boat was just more than I could. Just enjoyed watching that. I should have got on slow-mo and played it for you. You'd have got a kick out of that. That helped me. I, I got home and I said, that was good. There was nothing even spiritual, but it was just fun watching. But you wake up, you say, man, this world is a mess. You know, sin and all these other things that go on in this world. There's a blessed hope coming. The trumpet's going to sound. And the Bible talks about a resurrection of the dead, a resurrection of those that are alive in Christ. will meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Live for him. Look for his return. That's a warning to us. But there's also a warning to the lost. Lost people that they don't know Christ as their Savior. They're following something different. They're not following the Bible. They're following something different and there's a warning to those that they would recognize their condition before a holy god the bible says in romans 3 as it is written there is none righteous no not one romans 3:10 clearly describes the condition of man we are sinners we've been sinning since genesis chapter 3 they need to recognize they're a sinner they need to recognize they cannot do enough good works To get them to heaven. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 8 and 9 says. For by grace are ye saved. Through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. And I want to say this real quick before we leave. There's a system that says. Wow, I just got to do good. Just got to try to do good to get to heaven. But that system is faulty. It's, it's not in the Bible. The only way to heaven is by the grace of God, accepting Jesus as your Savior. Realizing you're a sinner, realize because of sin, there's a penalty in realizing that Jesus loved you. And 2,000 years ago, he died for your sin. And he's coming back again. And this whole thing's going to finish up, folks. Guess what's going to happen to the Antichrist? The rest of the story. He gets destroyed, our Armageddon. Okay? He's destroyed. He's thrown into the bottomless pit. And all the angels have followed him, those demons are all going to the bottomless pit. And the king is coming to set up his kingdom and will rule and reign with him for a thousand years. Wow, what a day that'll be. No more sin, the lion will lay down with a calf. Amen? A serpent with a child. Can you imagine a, a child playing with a snake? You'll be able to do that in the thousand year millennial reign. What a day that'll be. But this whole thing's finishing up, ladies and gentlemen. The warning signs are here. If you're saved, live for him, surrender to him and witness for him. If you're lost, get saved.